It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Being your best self feels good for your loved ones and for you. Visit betterhelp.com slash onion and get back to being you. Here's an idea for a Christmas gift for you guys. Why not make a saving buying someone a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds? Oh, they're fantastic, Tom. I've started flying again after these weird couple of years we've had and they work fantastic when you're on the plane. They do. They have eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Brilliant for flights. Go to buyraycon.com slash onion today to unlock exclusive deals up to 30% off your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only and you don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon.com slash onion to unlock up to 30% off your Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash onion. Harmonize with me and hold me tight all through the night. You're shining bright, I'm your oyster, baby, you're my pearl. So, Bills, it's the weekend. Different for us, Dom, different. Normally it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday, right? Yeah, normally our Tuesday or Wednesday, Wednesday is taken up with driving to the studio and sitting down and doing the podcast together. Unfortunately, or fortunately, maybe, uh, we're in different cities in different parts of the world, so we're doing it uh, via our our computers. But this week has a little weekendy chill out kind of vibe going on. I don't know if you've seen my balls, but my balls seem very settled today. They're just sat there in a lovely triangle formation. It's as if no one's touched them all weekend. I haven't touched my balls since probably Thursday, and I regret. What? I regret when I did touch them uh, on Thursday because I hit them really hard. With that stick you were telling me about. Yeah, I'm really hard with a stick, but it didn't, it didn't really uh, do me any favours. I didn't feel like mm. my balls behaved any better after I whacked them really hard. So the next time I hit my balls, I might hit them a little gentle. Well, it's nice to see your balls sitting exactly where they should be now. Thank yes. you, Dom. What about you? What have you been up to this, this weekend? Have you been out and about? Well, I'll tell you what I have. I've been doing a few. Before I saw you, Dom, there's a few errands to run. Oh, and yeah. I got the messages in. I know you like that, the Scottish, uh, going out and getting the messages, mm -hmm. which is going for your shopping, and a few other errands. But here's the thing, Dom. If, if you don't have a pen and paper handy when, you're, um, when, when you've got the messages or errands to do, I found a, a new thing that you can do, Dom, and I'll just show you here. And all you really need is a, a drum machine, and that can help you remember everything you need to get. <clears throat> Just like this, Dom. Spread, bread, fabric conditioner, spending money, runny honey, eggs, toilet paper, that can wait till later, a tangerine sausage roll from Greg's. And that's all it takes, Dom. Brilliant. So, yeah. 
That was that was your list. How many? I think there were. I think I counted nine. How many of those uh, things that you wanted to do did you actually strike off your list today? Well, I got eight of them done because um, I didn't get the, the sausage roll from Greg's because uh, I couldn't find a Greg's over here, and I, I used to enjoy a Greg's. Greg's quite an interesting phenomenon, don't you think? It's I would argue Britain's most famous bakery. But no one buys bread from Greg's. What you buy is sausage rolls, pies, pasties, and maybe some cakes, right? You're right, Dom. And here's a story from Greg's. A friend of mine, who will remain nameless, went to Greg's, got a steak bake, enjoyed the steak bake. It's a young lady. She's on the way to a, a suntan parlour, you know, where they have the sunbeds and you can get a tan when you're in Scotland. And she's eating this steak bake. When she gets to this place and they're unmanned, you just go in and you put the money in the, the sunbed. You've got a room of your own and you lie there and get your tan and you leave. There's no one there. She went in, ate a steak bake, put the money in, lay down. Oh, her stomach started to go, the steak bake, and the heat, the heat of the, the thing, I think, was too much for the, the new steak bake in her belly. Oh, what am I going to do? And she's naked, of course. She's getting a suntan. And there was a bucket. And, and she, she just went to the bucket, Dom, and she, she let herself go into the bucket after the steak bake. And then she just basically cleaned herself off and off she went and left the bucket there. What do you think of that? It's unfortunate for the cleaning crew that comes in maybe a day later or a couple of days later just to make sure that everything's fine for the next client and they find a bucket of shit. Do you think maybe you think that somebody's tan had just fell off into the bucket? It's a sad story. Anyway, moving on, Tom. It is. Just to finish that story, for any of our listeners or viewers out there, that are not fully aware of what a steak bake is. Just break that down for people. A steak bake is basically like, I think it's kind of like a steak pie in a sort of um, puff pastry, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, you, you, you've you got like steak and maybe onions and a little bit of gravy inside a puff pastry. Mm. Don't eat before you go to your suntan bed. No, no. Never, never do that. Never eat yellow snow. When I want to read a new book, or maybe listen to an audiobook, or possibly even explore the world of podcasts, I head to Script. It's fantastic, Dom. Whenever I need a new book, they help me find the one I like. You know I like science books. I've got a lot at Script. With Scrib, the world's most fascinating library is entirely at your fingertips, all for just $9.99 a month. You can enjoy instant access to Scribd's entire library for less than a cost of one single book. Right now, Scribd is offering our listeners a free 60-day trial. Go to try.scribd.com slash onion for your free trial. That's try.scribd.com slash onion to get 60 days of Scribd for free. I'll tell you my favourite uh, butcher joke, which you know, it's a classic one. A man comes into the butchers and says, hey, where's your assistant that you had here last week? 
And the butcher says, I caught him with his dick inside the bacon slicer. And the man said, oh, my God, what did you do with the bacon slicer? And he said, I fired her as well. (laughs) (laughs) We might need a few bleeps on that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For fuck's sake, Johnny Clues. I just checked my pocket and realised that my earring is in my pocket because I was cleaning my ears earlier on with salt water. Yeah, because if yeah, look, tiny little earring. Because if you um, if you don't clean your ears every so often, especially the little hole, the mm-hmm. new little hole in your ear, yeah. it can get a little, yeah. you know, no nasty or naughty or gunky. So it's, so good, it's, it's no, good. you don't want that. You don't want seepage. You don't want seepage. So you get a little bit of uh, salt. Oh, I keep missing my ear hole. I said ear hole. Um, you get a little bit of salt and a little bit of hot water. Yeah. And you melt yeah. the salt in some hot water. And then you just kind of swish that around your ear. Oh, I can't do it. It's going to make my ear bleed. I don't, it could be a two-man job, that. I'll, I'll help you with that when you come home. Don't you worry. I think a lot of, a lot of girls are very good at putting earrings in without needing, you know, a visual aid like a mirror. But when you first done it, I've never, I've never had the piercing. Yeah, I remember saying to you back when I got mine that I was very surprised that in the eighties you didn't do it. Oh, no, I almost had it. Then. I never, I never, yeah, it never occurred to me. Did you have your ears pierced when you were younger as well? No, no, this is the first time. I first pierced my ear when I was forty-four. Um, wow. Yeah, I still can't. I still can't. I get. think. Um, I think. Uh, uh, Billy Connolly got his nipples pierced for his 50th, if I remember right. Yeah, and supposedly when he... So maybe you can do that next. Supposedly when he got it done, the guy who pierced his nipples said to Billy Connolly, there you go, one more of us, one less of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. I love that. I can't get it in. I'll I'll fuss about with that. But I want to talk to you about about tidying my house. So do you know that... um, Right. Do you know that kind of quite renowned Thai Buddhist monk that Oprah Winfrey is quite good friends with? It. He's done. He's he's written a few books. He does. He shaves his head. He's probably in his early sixties now. I think he's called. He's got like a triple-barreled name. It's like is it Tishnat Hang? Might be him. John. I'm sure Johnny Johnny Clues could find out if he goes onto Google and and searches. Oprah Winfrey's Thai Buddhist monk friend, or whatever. Um, it's probably, it's, I think it's probably Teach Nich Tan, but I yeah. don't know if that's how you see it. Yeah, I, 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 think, you, I think you are right. Um, well, he wrote a fantastic book, um, has, has written quite a few great books, but wrote a, wrote a book, I can't remember but the, the name of it, but in the book he talks about washing the dishes, and he says, if you're going to wash the dishes then wash the dishes with yeah. 100% yeah. of your being and 100% of your presence and wash the best dishes that you've ever washed and enjoy it and enjoy the experience and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I remember that really, like, resonated with me years ago. And back when I was a kid, like, tidying the house, being forced by my parents to tidy my room or tidy parts of the house was, like, the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Mm. And... 
after reading that guy's book, mm-hmm. I just flipped that switch of like, okay, now try and get enjoyment out of the process, not just having a tidy house, but the process of cleaning the house. So today, went to the gym, tidied my house, and it was a joyful experience. But putting that earring in your ears, not that joyful at it the minute. Hurts. It hurts. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Just enjoy it. Yeah, I just enjoy it. Yeah. I'm trying my best. I just can't find the hole. I don't know. It's, it's tricky. Yeah. Oh. yeah, it's not easy. Are you try? Are you doing it while looking at yourself? Doing it. It's like backwards in the camera. So when I go yeah, left, it goes yeah, right. That'll never work. No, I mean, hang on. I'll be back in it's a second. It's the same as see when you draw a sword, Dom. When you draw a sword, I'll just tell the audience because you're off to do something. If you draw a sword. And then you're trying to put the sword back into your scabbard or whatever it's called. Don't look at the scabbard or whatever it's called. You just do it like by kind of feeling the sword, not the sharp end, and then put it back in the scabbard. Don't look, because if you're looking, it'll all go wrong. And that's probably the same if you're trying to insert um, uh, an earring into uh, your new ear hole. It's so much easier doing it. In a mirror when you can get up close than doing it in a webcam. But we got there eventually. Um, Have you got one of those, like, shaving mirrors that makes everything really big? Yeah, terrifying as well. Like, three times magnification around your eyes can look very strange sometimes. It's not great, is it? It's not falling apart. Between all the trolls and dragons, it's important to have the right insurance in Middle-earth. But comparing insurance companies online can take longer than talking to an ent. And that is where the zebra comes in. With the zebra, you can compare car and home quotes from every major insurance company in under five minutes, giving you all the facts you need to make the right decision. It's the fastest way to find the right coverage at the right price and will help you find a provider that you can trust. In fact, the zebra saves people an average of $922 a year on home and auto combined. And that'll buy a flagon of the only brew for the brave and true from your local Green Dragon. It just makes finding insurance so much easier with everything right there at your fingertips, Tom. Sometimes looking for insurance can be a real hard thing to do. The Zebra makes it much easier. Save time and money in minutes. Compare quotes for free at thezebra.com slash onion. That's thezebra.com Slash onion. A healthy digestive system is extremely important. And the science is clear. A healthy gut microbiome with the good bacteria that helps our bodies process food is key to a healthy lifestyle. Over time, people with type 2 diabetes lose the gut bacteria that helps digest fiber and manage our blood glucose levels. For those with type 2 diabetes, diet and exercise are incredibly important. But sometimes something else to help 
would be good as well. And we would encourage our listeners to learn how pendulum glucose control can help. Pendulum's team of scientists, doctors and innovators isolated the unique strain of beneficial gut bacteria that help people with type 2 diabetes manage their blood sugar levels. Take control of your glucose levels today. Try Pendulum Glucose Control for 90 days. If you're not satisfied with your levels, you'll get your money back. Visit PendulumLife.com to find out more. And use promo code ONION for 20% off your first bottle of membership. That's P-E-N-D-U-L-U-M-L-I-F-E dot com. Promo code ONION. Oh, I remembered what I was going to uh, tell you. We have a a guest today. Uh, we've been doing this um, semi-regular section of the show where we talk to someone who has an interesting job. Um, uh, mm. Fantastic. was j- 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 Jolly Jobs. J- were, um, jolly Jobs. Quirky Worky. Did work. Quirk- quirky. Did we settle on Quirky Worky? Quirky Worky. What yeah. did we settle on? A quirky worky. I think it was, but wasn't there a few more? We had quirky worky, j- japery jobs or something like that, or jokey jobs. Japery jobs. Oh, I don't know. Interesting industry. V- vivid vocations. We had a few, I think. Um, anyway, today's... Fabulous forays. <laughs> today's wonderful guest has been working in the zoo industry for almost 10 years a lady called oh, Kayla wow. Cosme from Texas. So should we get her in and see if she can uh, wow Please. us with animal knowledge? Hello, Kayla. Hello. And welcome to the Friendship Onion. I'm so happy to be here. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit fangirling right now. I love it. Good. Oh. God, that's good to hear. So you've been working with animals for uh, many years. Yes. And specifically, these last few years on chickens, a type of chicken, is that correct? Um, that was about four or five years ago, and now it's actually more recently primates, so oh. mostly gorillas. Could you, t- could you quickly tell us the story of the chickens, which I read in your, um, the, the breakdown of what you've been up to that I, I found really interesting. Uh, yeah. Could you give us a little bit of history of that? For sure. So um, there's... Uh, it's called the Atwater's Prairie Chicken. They are native to here um, in Texas, and they have pretty much almost gone extinct in the wild. And because of the zoo that I work at, as well as a couple of other zoos, um, we've worked together on a breeding program to help raise them. And then eventually, once when they're ready, we will release them back out into the wild. Incredible. So how, how did these specific chickens become endangered? down in in Texas? So kind of like the dodo bird, I kind of like to refer to them as the Texas dodo bird. Um, They were just overhunted just by native, everyone that came here um, back in the early days and just that was their main source of food and they were overhunted. Oh, sometimes it's a bad thing to be delicious. Oh, I was going to say, how? sorry, Bills. Um, Like how would would they differ from a regular kind of farmyard chicken that maybe we're a little bit more accustomed to? So uh, they're more considered a grouse, easy, even though that they're con- like they have chicken in the name, they're more closely related to like a turkey or a pheasant. Oh. Ah, a bit bigger. Mm-hmm. 
So how how did you before we get on to what you're doing now? How did you initially get involved with animals? And Dom is a good one to talk to on this because obviously he's um, the animal expert. Uh, right. But um, how how did you how did your interest? Did you grow up in a farm or something? I didn't actually. Um, I just I've always grown up loving animals. I had a dog growing up, and I was just always so interested in him. Like I would just do everything, like inspecting him, like playing with him, training him, and whatnot. And so then I was actually going down the vet route. I wanted to be um, a, a veterinarian. And once when I ended up getting an internship at the zoo, um, I realized I'd rather work with the animals um, rather than kind of more medically. I, I didn't want to yeah. go that route because it was, I, I saw kind of more of like the the everyday of that wasn't exactly fulfilling that passion in me. Mm-hmm. Whereas whenever I was um, an intern at the zoo working with teaching other kids about these animals and like inspiring that passion for them that I had, that made a huge impact on me. And so I wanted to kind of go that route instead. Ah, Which sounds kind of like what Dom did with his show Wild Things, which was, I mean, you can talk about this, Dom, but it was sort of about educating people about animals that a lot of people don't like, right? Snakes <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and spiders and Yeah. Any anything that anything that needs our help more because maybe they're shunned or ignored or uh vilified, I was always a fan of and, and continue to be. It's interesting because I think so many kids growing up that are hugely passionate about animals, the first thing that they kind of fantasize over in terms of a job is usually being a a zookeeper that was my thing too i just thought a zookeeper was like the most glamorous job in the world you get to choose from hundreds of different animals that you can interact with on a on a daily basis and just continually feed that passion and then as you grow up you realize that it's obviously a heck of a lot of work but like like you said kayla i'm sure probably the difference between working at a zoo and being a veterinarian most veterinarians certainly working zoos are usually kind of treating animals that are unwell and need help as opposed to, you know, helping them out in their daily life type thing. Um, right. Exactly. And now you work with primates. I mean, I have a, I have an interesting feeling about primates in zoos because obviously breeding programs in zoos are, are extremely important and, and need as much help as we can give them especially with a lot of these vulnerable animals um the best zoos for me are ones that you know obviously allow people to see animals and be educated on animals but have a very uh serious breeding program um primates in zoos can can sometimes struggle huh with with what that can mean for their for their life obviously the zoos make it as as pleasant as possible for them but like, how do you find gorillas right. seem to um, behave in captivity as opposed to what we've what we've witnessed of them doing in the wild? So they, the gorillas that this specifically I work with, um, funny enough, whenever COVID really hit and we had to shut down and not have any guests, they actually showed signs of missing people. They were kind of looking around for them and whatnot, um, but. To this, like opposite of that as well is that some of the other animals, um, they kind of got used to it again. And so then whenever we started having people come back, um, there was, was kind of like, oh, 
people are back but otherwise they don't really care less about people at least for gorillas whereas like the chimps or orangutans they are more people oriented um so they're more interested in our guests and they'll interact with them at the windows um and so it's interesting to kind of ha had seen that dynamic change between them but um for us and in general we really focus on a lot of um enrichment for the primates so that's um stimulating just that natural behavior for them or also just giving them um like different puzzles that they have to figure out and they really they're very smart smarter than most people think and they a lot of people get shocked whenever we will call their names out and they're like wait they know their names and we're like yeah like it's kind of like your dog like if you call it your dog's name <laughs> people don't make that connection all the time and it's very funny to see that right yeah the difference between a pet and an actual yeah a cool one so um for for people who aren't experts uh, like me what makes a primate what uh, how when when you put something in the the list of primates what makes a, a primate a primate so there are a couple of different so humans are kind of considered primates as well so there's um so non-human primates so we have the great apes which are going to be um, gorillas, orangutans, chimpanzees, and bonobos. And then you also have lesser apes, which are going to be the more gibbon species. Right. And then you have um, tamarins and then just old world monkeys, new world monkeys. So they're going to, the difference between apes and monkeys are going to be um, tail versus no tail. Um, and then you're also going to see um, size-wise as well. So apes are going to be a lot larger than monkeys. Right, okay. Um, and then you also have, like, even the smaller monkeys, so tamarins and lemurs are the... Um, I always get wrong with this pronunciation. The <laughs> prosimian, I believe. Dom may help um, you here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like prosimian is also a... Oh, my goodness. I don't think it's a fruit. Oh, that's a, sure yeah, that's a persimmon, but, right? Persimmon is a fruit. Yes. Oh, the English language is so complicated. <laughs> it's so tough yeah. sometimes. So um, what's, the, what's the name of the um, the place where you're working just now down in Texas? Houston Zoo. Who's the, oh, right, okay. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Yes. So that's quite a big um, uh, place then, is it? Like it a, is. So we are size-wise, um, our zoo is actually not very big compared, to, like comparatively speaking. Uh -huh. um, but we are one of the most visited zoos in the U.S. Right. Okay. Do you know how many? And then our biggest. So, I'm sorry, Kayla. I was going to say, do you know how many guests you, <laughs> That's okay. would get, you would get on an average day? Ooh. So with COVID, it's kind of changed because we've had to limit the amount. So I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure on how much from the top of my head. Okay, that's all right. Um, I know it's a lot. I was gonna, I was gonna tell you. I don't know if you, if you play computer games or have done anything like that. But during lo uh, lockdown, COVID lockdown, because of my constant fascination with animals and probably my childhood obsession with being a zookeeper, I started playing a zoo simulation game called Planet Zoo where, you know, you can either start with an unlimited amount of money and do whatever you want, or you can be kind of bound by this budget and try and build a bigger and bigger zoo. So I started with a budget 
and did, watched all these tutorials and watched all these YouTube. Oh, by the way, I just worked out what jumper I'm wearing. Look at this jumper today. I didn't even know that we were chatting to you, and I'm wearing <laughs> a green. Nice, go. that's awesome. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I and I pointed out your um, your mandrel shirt. I guess whatever a couple of weeks ago right. that you were wearing. Oh yeah, my like pixelated mandrel. Mandrels used to scare the heck out of me when I was mm -hmm. a kid. I just that facial coloring just really used to unnerve me. Um, I got to work with one briefly. Oh wow! But they're they're really cool. Yeah, they're very cool. So I'll try and finish this story really quickly. But um, the so the, this this zoo. <coughs> where I got this budget, I watched this tutorial that said, if you get a very simple animal to work with, like tortoises and maybe ostriches or emus, and then obviously this is in the game, let them breed and keep their offspring safe. Then you can sell their offspring. And then with the profits, you can eventually buy things like snow leopards and elephants and tigers and orangutans and gorillas and all this kind of stuff. I was like, oh, this is, this is brilliant. I'll just tick away at this. So mm -hmm. bought my tortoises and my ostriches, but I accidentally forgot to put a, a door for the zookeeper to get into my ostrich enclosure. So my ostriches weren't being, I heard fed, about people doing that. weren't being watered and the heat went off. So they all died. And then uh, my tortoises bred out of control and I had nowhere to store them. So I had to rip up my zoo and start again. And I was really upset. It was so funny during when we're all in lockdown and stuff, I used to love watching Dom on Instagram asking questions of why, why, why are my ostriches all dying? And, you know, people would say, well, there's no door in your cage or there's no, there's no walkway for people to get into. Oh, yeah. I used to yeah. do stitches. Yeah. It's it great. Brilliant. Um, nice. It's a really good. So don't game. don't let Dom run your zoo. No doubt. I've heard really good things about it. I've had fellow zookeepers play it as well, and actually one of them had the same issue happen. Is like they didn't have some type of doorway, and they're like, "Wait, I can't get to the animal." It's a, it is a fantastic game, Planet Zoo. And and since making those mistakes, I have played it to a point now where I have like giraffes and a train that goes through the park, and you know, crazy amount of guests going through and crazy amount of money. It just. In the first couple of times that you try it, you're always going to make mistakes. And it doesn't tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing. But anyway, we should talk about real zoos, Kayla. <laughs> right. <laughs> In the notes, Kayla, it says that um, uh, as well as looking after the animals and teaching them and stuff, you, you also teach the guests how they can help um, animals in the wild. Right. So that's actually a big focus of our zoo is that we want to connect our guests with animals in the wild. So that way they know... Like just by them visiting, they uh, their proceed of their um, tickets actually go to. We have a couple of um, actually quite a few conservation partners that are actually right. out in the field um, that we help fund um, for them to either help animals actually in the wild. So by helping them like vets and stuff there, or a lot of the times they're even raising awareness to locals on like how to coexist with them and what they can do to help um, save them as well. And like replanting trees and whatnot. Oh, fantastic. I mean, I think that's really important how to do that sort of work. If you're, if you're working with the animals um, over here. So that's, that's a great thing to hear. 
Is that a map I see in the background there, Kayla? It is. Is that a map of, um, is that where me and John were hiking mountains, etc.? It is. I have, it's huge. And then I also have um, Aragorn's sword, so Andrew. And Ah. then there's the Gondor flag. And then over here I have Gandalf's staff. And then the Rohan, I guess you can't see it, but there is a Rohan banner as well. Oh, so So great. This this room that I'm in, we call it our tribute room because it's pretty much the whole house has little Lord of the Rings stuff here and there. So anytime that people come over, I'm like, there's Easter eggs in this house. So just have fun looking for them. Oh, I love it. Well, maybe, do you have any questions you want to ask either me or Dom? Dom, as well as being an expert in animals, is also an expert in the land of Rohan. Course. Yes. So I do actually. Um, so one's like a more personal question because um, I know both of y'all like food um, and like cooking and stuff. Is there any signature dish that you're known for that you really love to make? Dom? Um, it would probably have marmite in it for sure. <laughs> I am a fan. I am a fan. Um, I do a pretty good Spanish omelette, which over in Spain they call tortilla. Obviously different from the tortillas that we might know in England or the United States. A tortilla in Spain is like really thinly sliced potatoes with onions and some saffron if you're feeling a little saucy. And then you cook those up in a pan and when they're just done, you crack a whole bunch of eggs in them and stir them around. Then you cook that, flip the pan, Cook the bottom part, but not for as long. So you want the gooey part to be a little bit, um, yeah, not not coming apart when you cook it, but just have a little give to it. I'm quite good at a Spanish mm-hmm. omelette, but I don't tend to eat too many eggs. So it's kind of a few times a year thing. But when I do it, I smash it. I used to be incredibly famous, Kayla, Kayla for my um, red uh, Thai curry, which I make oh. completely from scratch. But I haven't done that for a while. But um, you've made me think about it again, so maybe maybe I'll do that. Get the stuff in today when I'm out shopping. In terms of food, in, in terms of food, Kayla, um, just to go back to the zoo thing for for a minute. I know you said you've been working with gorillas for a while. Um, is there a certain food that you know gets the strongest reaction out of gorillas generally, or are there different individual tastes for different? gorillas there is different individual tastes for dislikes for sure um but for sure bananas are the favorite um as well as frozen grapes and um so gorillas will actually do this humming whenever they eat or like whenever they're about to eat and anytime that they have seen kale i have never heard the building so loud with all the humming that was going on because they were just so excited about kale wow about about 50 yeah kale Wow. So we get about 50 pounds, uh, give or take, um, per day for each of our groups. So we have two different groups. Um, and so they get lots of greens. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. It's interesting. It's amazing. It amazes me that they get to that size because we are, we, and in our heads, isn't it? When we, we see bodybuilders and things, you think of, oh, they're eating red meat and blah, blah, blah. But gorillas eat bananas and grapes and they're they're huge. It shows they're you that maybe and they're strictly vegetarian. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, mm. I think there's a lot of about nutrition that we don't 
quite get yet, huh? And their digestive tract is a little bit different than ours. Mm. Um, so they do process some of that food a little bit differently. Okay. Um, but yeah, for us to not be so um, different, yeah, it's amazing. That's it's just amazing, just yeah. solid muscle from all that. I remember I went yeah. to... Uh, uh, I went to Rwanda, Kayla, to see the gorillas uh, twice. And outside of it just being an amazing, you know, hike into the forest, you know, being around the gorillas was something that you'd never forget. But one of the things that stood out about them is how much they farted. Yo, yes. It is. It's really bad. Um, and every single time that they do it, even though we hear it all day, every day, all of us can't help but laugh because it's just, it is funny. And we're just like, come on. <laughs> Cause I mean, if you're in the middle of like sitting in front of them, feeding them or doing like a training session and they pass gas, you have to sit there and just take it. And sometimes it can be very potent. Yes. I would concur. That's with good that. to know. That's a good fact. Yeah. I was lucky good. I was outside, obviously, wild gorillas, but I think. We both times there was no less than probably eight. And I think the first time there was probably closer to 12 of them. And with that number, it was almost kind of constant. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't a point too long where one of the gorillas wasn't farting, uh, which I just absolutely right. loved. It was like a Monty Python sketch. But some of the, some of the tourists around me, you know, because we were in a group with the people, they were just completely flummoxed by it. Like, where's where's that noise coming from? The keeper's like, it's <laughs> our guy was like, it's coming from those guys constantly. Amazing. I completely believe it. Amazing. <laughs> if someone relies on your financial support, whether it's a child or an aging parent or even a business partner, you need life insurance. Life insurance can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you your loved ones would have a financial cushion to pay for things like rent or mortgage payments, loans, or even education. Head to policygenius.com onion and answer a few questions about yourself. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalised quotes to find your best price. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Policy Genius works for you not the insurance companies. Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees or sell your info to third parties. Head to policygenius.com slash onion to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash onion. To start comparing quotes and simplify insurance buying, check out Policy Genius. Policygenius.com slash onion. Thanks to Policy Genius for sponsoring. Reserve Bar is the online source of premium and luxury spirits, wine and champagne. Visit reservebar.com to create the perfect home bar or have the ideal gift delivered. It's also where you'll find the best in new and hard to find bottles and those celebrity spirits that you've been wanting to try. No one does spirits gifting better than Reserve Bar. Have a bottle custom engraved with a name, date or logo to create the perfect gift. And you can build your dream home bar at Reserve Bar. Just select the spirits, wine and bubbly you love. They've also got glassware and mixing tools as well, should you need them. Reserve Bar offers the Cocktail Lounge, your online source for inspiring new cocktail recipes and the stories behind 
your favorite brand. Visit reservebar.com today and use the promo code ONION to save $10 off your purchase of $75 or more on spirits, wines, or pre-made cocktails, but only when you use our special offer at reservebar.com with code ONION. That's reservebar.com and code ONION. This offer expires December 31st, 2021. Well, I did have one other question for y'all in regards to the movie. Yeah. So in Fellowship of the Ring, um, you're thrown an apple, and I think, Dominic, you catch it. But then the second apple that gets thrown, I think, Billy, it hits you in the head. Was yeah. that intentional or was that an accident? No, it was intentional. The, the, okay. uh, I can't even remember whose idea it was, but the idea was that, you know, Aragorn is heading over the hill and doesn't want us to stop. And as hobbits, we're like, well, we've only had one breakfast. It's, you know, second breakfast. It's time for us to stop and cook up. And so as he's walking, he just throws a couple of apples over for me and Dom. And Dom, being uh, uh, a little smarter, catches his. And the idea is that I, I don't, I'm just looking around, you know, and I get it in the head. And, and then... I actually look up to see where the apple came from, you know. So um, and I love. Yeah, it was it was planned, but it got and it was it was um, it was Vigo who was throwing it from behind camera, and he was okay. loving it. He was in stitches, hitting me in the head. They must have done it about twenty times, you know. <laughs> well, I love how you carried that over into two towers because all of a sudden, whenever the apples are floating, I see you look up again, and I'm like, I love that carryover. <laughs> oh, I forgot I'd done that. That's funny. Oh, well done. Nice. It's been a long time. That was a fun day, wasn't it, Dom? Oh, it was a great day. It's been a long time since I've seen that scene. But from my recollection, one, one apple gets thrown over by Aragorn, and Merry catches the first one. And then does he pass it to Pippin and give him a little pat on the shoulder and say, there you go, there's your second breakfast, there's the answer to our query, we're moving on. So I think, like, Merry isn't aware that Aragorn's going to throw two. He thinks that Aragorn's, you know, Uh, throws one and then that's the end of the matter and moves on. Otherwise, I think Uh if Merry would have been there, one of them would have seen the apple coming their way and grabbed it. But you look down at the apple and that's when the second one hits you, right? Oh, and that's when it's... Ah, oh, right. Gotcha. I, that was fun. That was, a, that was a fun day. I'm obsessed with apples. So I've managed, I've managed to, in some way, have apples either intentionally or unintentionally been crowbarred into a lot of projects that I've done. Just because, like, if someone were to say to me in a, in a TV show or a film, we're doing a scene... And in this scene, you have to eat something, pick it. I would always pick an apple because I, I could probably eat 10 apples. No problem. It doesn't bother me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I get so full off of apples. I can barely finish one. Oh, I love them. I love them. Yeah, they're uh, good. I get that off my mom. Now, how do, how do um, gorillas feel about apples or primates in general? I mean, most primates are big fans of fruit and most monkeys, especially new monkeys, are massive fan, fans of fruit, right? Yes. Yeah, they love apples. And actually, that's one of my favorite things to listen to them chew because, you know, if any like person was to be eating and like they're snacking, I'm like, it's it's annoying. But anytime like the gorillas or any of the other primates that I work with, they're sitting there snacking those apples. I'm like, oh, it's so cute. (laughs) So what do you think about when me and Dom do Billy and Dom eat the world and we're a little close to the, the, the microphones? That we've really split the world here right down the middle of people who enjoy 
the mastication and others who do not want it at all. Where do you sit there, Kayla? I think that you'll tastefully do it to where it makes it intriguing. Like you're like, oh, I do want to try that. So you'll make the food more enticing. So I, I thought I laughed whenever people you made mention that people can't stand it. And I'm like, I actually enjoy it. Like it doesn't bother me. Right. Well, we're going with you, Kayla. That's it. You've you've decided for us. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and, and just to just to um chime in there, I want I do want to make two points. First one is Neither Billy or I ever make noise while we're eating. We, we don't eat like that normally. We're only putting those noises on for a podcast. I would hate to think, Bills, if you and I sat down at a restaurant, a couple comes in that listens to the podcast and they say, oh, no, put us, put us on the other side of the restaurant because we've heard these guys eat. That's not how we eat normally. We are, we are literally grabbing the microphone and going... Oh, I can tell it because I usually watch y'all on YouTube. And so I can tell like there is, it's intentional. So we're doing it very intentionally. Um, I think it's funny. But there is a comment here from YouTube from Marion Tajkaya. I hope I got that name wrong. Uh, Right. I probably got it wrong. (laughs) Who (laughs) Who says, my vote on the mastication debate, no events taken, definitely needs, definitely adds to the experience. Don't be shy. I love the show. So Marion loves it too. There you go, Kayla. There you go. It's a doubler. So that's it. We'll be chewing even more. Well, about the same from now on. Perfect. Kayla, it's been an absolute treat. Kayla, before you go, I just wanted to ask, you said that you had Aragorn's sword. Is it shards of his sword or is it the whole sword? It's the whole sword. And then I also do have two replicas of Sting. Nice. So one of them lights up, it's more plastic, and then the other one is an actual sword. Yeah, cool. Wow. All right, cool. So cool. Well, it's really nice to meet you, Kayla. All right, nice meeting you all, too. Thank you, Kayla. See Take it easy. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks, you too. Billy and Dom eat the world. Well, that was the lovely, charming, and fantastic Kayla. Lovely stuff, Dom. Very interesting, interesting work that she's doing. I like the idea of the chickens that she she brought back to Texas. Bring chickens back to Texas, I say. Well, it must be fantastic. As, a, as an animal lover growing up, like I said, I think most animal lovers kind of fantasize about being zookeepers and working with animals and working with a variety of animals, but not that many people actually get a chance to work in zoos, but also affect mm. a certain animal's life you know like their their actual history Mm -hmm. on planet earth those prairie chickens have been affected Mm -hmm. by the work that kayla and her staff do because probably if they hadn't done anything within you know 30 40 50 years we might not have them and all animals are important and special so what a great job yeah no it's a great thing but i think actually working in a zoo like that is probably easier than the online zoo that you've had a terrible time with them which is probably more difficult very, very difficult indeed. It's actually made me starving, hungry, uh, thinking about all the failings uh, that I've gone through with that zoo. And with that in mind, should we eat the world? Billy and Tom, eat the world, Tom. Here we go. What are we having this week? Well, I, I would like to say that uh, for the past three weeks running, I think I've been slightly spoiled because um, we did Guinness one week, which is a big favourite drink mm-hmm. of mine. 
We did Marmite, which yeah. got a perfect score mm-hmm. not too long ago. And unbelievable. Week, yeah, unbelievable. This week we're featuring one of my favourite condiments of all time and one of yours, Coleman's English Mustard and a dog. Bob has came to say hi. Hi, Bob. Yep, I got a squeezy one. Oh, nice. I've never really seen that before. Now, when we had this in the house when I was a kid, yeah, it was a, it was a thing of powder. It was a powder. The powder. And you had to mix it up. Do the, you get? Do you ever get it that way? The powder is still available, and uh, Johnny Clues, ah. our producer, prefers the powder to anything else. And I've used the powder at times in certain recipes to ask for more of a dry feeling to the mustard, as opposed to ah. this mustard, which I believe is mixed with a little bit of vinegar. Is that right? Water. Oh, no. So the ingredients of our mustard, or at least mine here, water, mustard flour, which is the the powder that we know, sugar, salt, a little bit of wheat, turmeric, very, very good for you, Indian spice, full of healthy things, citric acid, which is lemon juice, and xanthian gum, which gives me the heebie-jeebies. But everything else, (laughs) super-duper. Because I can remember in our house, my dad taking a little, uh, during dinner, little bit of the powder and then adding water, I suppose, and stirring it up, and he'd put that on everything. I don't really use it, but um, I'll try it today. Yeah, what are you going to try it on? Because English mustard, uh, which which is very different from American what? classic mustard, like French's mustard, is really quite strong. Like American mustard you put on hot dogs and have with, you know, chips and French fries and stuff. Yeah, it really yeah. doesn't seem to have that much of a kick to it. But English mustard, I would say, is about as hot, if not hotter, than wasabi, right? Right. It's got a sort of wasabi kind of feel to it, right? Yeah, it does. I'm going to put it on this piece of cheese, Dom. Oh, I don't it. know if that's right or wrong, but that's what I'm going to do. Let me, give you, let me read it's you a little it. bit of blurb about mustard whilst you get your piece of cheese ready. Mm-hmm. So it says here, right. Mustard has been one of the most widely grown and used spices in the world for many centuries. It is believed to have originated in ancient Egypt. The Greeks used mustard as a medicine and a spice. The Romans emulated the Greeks, Greeks using it as both food and medicine, as well as ascribing it as a cure for anything from hysteria to snake bite to bubonic plague. The Romans brought mustard to northern France, where it eventually became cultivated by monks. And by the ninth century... Monasteries were producing considerable amounts of income from sales of mustard. Tom, that's all very interesting. I like that people... So they used to use it as like a a medicine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to treat hysteria. Here, I'm going to try it. Snake bite and bubonic plague. Try it. Um, Well, that that helps a lot of things. English mustard, definitely my favourite type of mustard in the world. I would describe Mm. it as really quite hot. Mm. William. Wow, it's quite intense. I'm having it on a piece of apple. I definitely on a piece of apple. That's a good idea. I'll try it on a piece of bread now. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I mean, how do you even go about explaining the flavour mm. of mustard aside from saying the flavour is hot? I mean, it's um. I mean, it's a bit. It, it, it is like the sort of wasabi thing, isn't it? Very wasabi-like. Is it? Catches um, catches in the back of your throat quite easily and into your nasal mm. passages. But wasabi 
is actually a type of horseradish, not related to mustard. Mm. Mustard is a completely different spice altogether. But this is, it really is helping this cheese, Don. I'll give you some more um, facts here. Mm. Mustard was introduced into England in the 12th century. And in early times, seeds were coarsely ground at the table using a mortar, and it was eaten in this rough state. It reached the northeast by about 1486. That took a while, didn't it? Yeah. Like two, two, 250 years to get up to the northeast. Wow. Anyway, when monks on the Fame Island, which was a, a monastic cell tied to Durham Cathedral, are known to have used quern stones in the grinding of mustard, or mustard, as it was called then. In those early days, it was used primarily, or primarily to disguise the flavour of rotten meat. And it was not until the late 1600s that it came to be recommended in its own right. There you are, Dom. That's interesting that it was used oh. to, um, to disguise the flavour of rotten meat for a few different reasons. First of mm. all, the flavour of English mustard specifically, if you're comparing it to French mustard, American mustard, any other mustards mm -hmm. around the world, is really quite intense and smoky. Uh, not smoky, hot, spicy. The other thing is, I, you know, I don't tend to eat too much meat nowadays, but the mm -hmm. classic things that mustard has now been associated with have been things like ham or maybe pork. Yeah or certain yep. meats, it goes very well with that. It's also good with honey mustard because you get hot and sugar at the same time. Mm. I'm actually quite liking it with an apple. Never had it with an apple before. I'm enjoying it. And Tom, these last two weeks, with Marmite and now Coleman's mustard, both things have been in my life, like my whole life. I've seen them around, but never really, you know, never really ate them or had any interest and both of them are fantastic yeah this is absolute i'm going to just sit with a one of these a little squeezy thing and just squeeze it on all food that i'll ever have and then i'll tick off the good ones as they as it comes along but that is i, I almost can't get enough on the bread a, a cheese and mustard sandwich maybe with a little bit of onion mm. is absolutely fantastic but coleman's from norfolk from Norwich, where, mm -hmm. where Alan Partridge is one of their most famous sons, Coleman's is mm -hmm. known for being the iconic mustard out of England. So let's just talk for a second about Coleman's specifically. It says here, from Johnny Clues, mm -hmm. Coleman's mustard has been based in Norfolk, Norwich, ever since Jeremiah right. Coleman started his mustard and flour business in 1814 in Stoke Holy Cross, just four miles south of the city of Norwich. The process of making our mustard hasn't changed, says Coleman's, since the beginning. 60% of the mustard seeds are locally sourced and still undergo a thorough sampling, cleaning, and drying process. It looks like it takes a lot to turn it into the Coleman's mustard that we know. The seed dryer Absolutely. building, built in 1890, wow, still uses original wooden sieving equipment from the 1950s. This ensures they reach the mill in tip-top condition. They are then crushed in brake rolls, sieved in purifiers, and gradually reduced to a fine powder. I wonder if the people working in the Coleman's factory have to always wear yeah. face masks. In, uh, otherwise, they will be inhaling mustard 
Gas. Well, that is probably good if they're ever, you know, all the things that it, all the good that it does, it will stop. If they're ever going to be hysterical, it will stop that hysteria. Good point. Or if you were bitten by a snake whilst uh, making mustard. The mustard gas that we've come yeah. to learn I'm, about used in the Second World War, that has no correlation mm. with mustard in general, does it? It's just called that. What, mustard gas? Yeah. No, that's something else, though. I think it's just called it. I've almost completely this finished is, my uh, plate. It's, I, 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 honestly, I, I was I was expecting a kind of thing. Yeah, I, I kind of think it's all right, but it's it's really brilliant. I mean, I put that much yeah. on that piece of bread there, oh. and it's it's. I don't I don't know why I'm not eating these things all the time. I don't know either. <sighs> I also really like it when it hits the back of your throat. You know, if you if you take a little mm. bit too much, it can sometimes knock your sinuses out. And sometimes that's what you need. I'm going to have a little half teaspoon of mustard. But isn't... <laughs> so you're just eating it like a soup now? Is this, <laughs> is, this where, is this where we've got to? Hang on. No, Dom. Dom, I'm, I'm going to say that that's two weeks in a row you've really... You've given me something great. How was that? That was intense because it's it's intense anyway. So then just having it on its own is extremely intense. You yeah. and I like spicy food, so I can I can handle it. But I'm some sort of digestive system that specifically wakes up when it gets exposed to heat. So sometimes in the morning, if I feel like I've woken up in the morning and maybe my dinner from the night before is still messing about yeah. in my digestive system, Apple cider vinegar in this to drink, and maybe half a teaspoon of mustard will just get everything moving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe moving too fast. Yeah, I'm, going to, I'm going to actually squeeze some in, see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> squeeze yeah, thing. I'm going to squeeze it. Ready? Do it. This much. Quite a lot. Even that, I quite like. Yeah, it's, it's intense. It's actually quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's intense. It catches your throat. It's in my nose as well. It's in mm -hmm. my nose. Mm -hmm. But no, that's good. Dom, let's give it some scores. Let's give it Do some scores. Do you want to go score. first or will I? Um, well, since this is kind of your first big foray into English mustard, mm. I want to hear where you land on the flavour points first. Well, Dom, I can see why my dad was always stirring a little bit of that powder in the side of his plate. I never actually got it really what he was doing. But that is fantastic, Dom. I'm giving that a 9.7. Wow. Taste. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't think I can beat that. I think I'm about the same. I'm going to give it a 9.7 as well. It's a, it's a, a flavour full of complexities goes well with almost anything mm -hmm. and is fantastic on a sandwich. 9.7 for me too. Aesthetics, how it looks. I'm going to squeeze a little bit onto my plate. It's, it's, I, would, I would like it to be more the yellow of its actual tub, but it's a bit more of a kind of um, diarrhea yellow, which isn't as mm. nice as the tub, which is a, a nicer yellow. Mm. So um, I love the tub. 
the actual look, I'm going to take some points off. So I'm going to say um, I like the design. 7.3. Nice. Solid score. Yeah. The, yeah. the squirty tube is more of a modern day invention to make yeah. sure that your mustard comes out conveniently. This is what most people in Britain would know of Coleman's mustard in terms of this jar that starts off a little bit more narrow at the top than it does at mm-hmm. the bottom. It has a little bit of an arse, this jar, which I appreciate. Yep. An iconic bull on the front of the jar. Oh. I, I think maybe representing the sheer strength of the spice of the mustard, because it does knock your brains out. Um the other thing yeah. that I was that I was thinking about when you were talking about the look of it was because they add turmeric to the mustard, which is a very vibrant yellow. I wonder if that affects the natural color of the mustard as well. You know, because ah. turmeric will mm. stain anything. If you get turmeric on a t-shirt or yeah. on your face, it will stain your face. You know, so I hear you on the yeah. look um, and the color. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it an eight because I grew up with this and I absolutely love it. So it's it's an eight for me. And I have to say, when we're talking about the look of it, the look of the little tin you get the powder in is brilliant. Yeah. I love that. that, I love things that, you know, I have to make this, I have to do something, you know, and it's got a nice little lid on it. And um, so I, I could have bumped it up, but I've given my score now and that's it. Right, usefulness. I'm going to give this a a good score for usefulness, actually, because I feel as if I'll be squeezing this onto everything. How does this and Marmite go together? Is that like a... Have you ever tried it? I would... I personally would give that a pretty wide swerve. I think that would be a strange one, to be honest. I, I welcome your thoughts on it, but I think those two very strong flavours coming together might be a problem. But mustard with a bunch of stuff goes amazingly well. Mustard and honey, mustard and any kind of sugary solution Mm -hmm. goes really well. Mm -hmm. Agave goes well with a lot of different meats, goes brilliantly on a sandwich. Um, Goes good in pies, goes good in gravies. Oh, here's another thing. I mix it as well sometimes into my baked beans. If I'm having beans on toast, maybe I'll do a mustardy bean. Do you know what I mean? A mustardy bean sauce. Sorry. Salad dressing. Salad dressing. And pies. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite of a high usefulness. I'm going to give it a 9.8 in really? usefulness. Right. Yeah, it's very versatile. Yeah. I mean, not only is the tube versatile, like mm. you said, but the powder, which, like you said, the little vessel that the powder comes in with the little flip top kind of, you know, hatch to it and stuff. Mm. For some reason, that makes me feel like I'm in a Dickensian novel anytime I'm working with mustard powder. Exactly. You know Strange. Yeah. Suddenly you're transported back to a Christmas carol or something. But mustard powder is used a lot in chef's kitchens just to add a little subtlety to their dishes as well. So alongside all the things that we said, I don't think I can give it any less than a 9.5. I think it's extremely versatile. English mustard. And wait to hear this, Tom, is another, just a little thing to leave it with. So uh, Jeremiah Coleman... Um, who was the great nephew of Jeremiah James Coleman, who I think started it, 
He established the actual production factory in Norwich, which is where it still exists today. And Jeremiah James and his wife cared deeply about family values and looked after the employees like their own, even establishing a school for the children of all their employees and the company housing and sick benefit for everyone who worked there. Isn't that cool? Yeah. They seem like a, a nice... Uh, so it sounds like a nice company as well. Yeah, nice group of people, a, a, a family company. Um, yeah, and like you said, they've been around for a long time. They're one of one of the great staples. They have, I don't know if anyone knows, I'll get a close-up of this, this little uh, stamp here that you sometimes see on British um, foods is a stamp by... Mm. Queen Elizabeth II, the monarch of England, our queen. And what that means is that if in choosing a type of mustard, the royal family would prefer to choose Coleman's mustard. And you find that on things like HP sauce. I think it might be on Marmite. I think it's on some sort of ketchup. It's on some sort of gravy browning. You see it in a lot of different places. And it basically means if given the choice, the royal family absolutely love English mustard. I love it. That's a great thing, Dom. Yeah. A good, that, was a, that was a good fact there. Well done. Good so, one. Coleman's mustard. Another high score. Well, we might have run out of time. Dom, we're we do near have, the end, I think. Yeah, we do have a funky song. Should we, should we finish on a funky song? Because I love building our Spotify playlist with funky songs. Let's do it and we'll get us another song for the Spotify playlist. Come on, Dom. All right. Bang it on, uh, read, Johnny. Johnny Clues. Hey, Johnny. Let me, let me read out the, um, the message from our, from our friend before it gets played. This is from Rebecca. Good. She doesn't say where she's from, but it's Rebecca with a K. Mm. And she says, hi, Billy and Dom. I love the podcast. Thanks. I have a song to send in that I think is pretty funky. Could, excuse me. English mustard burps. Could you let me know what you think? The song is called Love is Alive by Gary Wright, and she ends by saying, thanks, boys. So let's see if Love is Alive by Gary Wright is in any way funky. think of that well before we before we get into that fantastic song by rebecca i would just like to have a little sidebar uh comment here mm. which is that all of the songs that people have sent in up to now have been fantastic and we've been rating them from different levels of funk but i would just like to reiterate that it just has to be funky for you which is why it's called funky for you of course we love funk like the next man. We love Sly and the Family Stone and Prince and James Brown and all of those classic funk makers. But you might think that Brahms is funky. You might think that Chopin is funky or Barbara Streisand is funky or whomever. 
So let your funky flag fly. And if you want to try and convince Billy and I that even though it might not fit into the normal level of funk, you think it's funky, we'd love to hear that too. But let's get back to Rebecca's song, which I did believe was pretty darn funky. It was kind of like slow, sexy funky, Dom. This is a kind of song that if it was on in a club, I'd had a few drinks, I would think I was a better dancer than I was. I would be up dancing to it thinking... I'm really good at dancing to this song, yeah. but I wouldn't like to see that record even played back to me. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that there was a point in our lives, not that long ago, we can still remember it, where going to a club and dancing for four or five hours was kind of the expectation. Now, I would be absolutely mortified if someone said to me, next Friday night, you have to dance for four and a half hours Pretty much non-stop, unless you're getting drinks from the bar or going to the toilet. I would be horrified. But you, you would need some Coleman's mustard just to get your, your system going, though. That's what you'd need. <laughs> ah, brilliant. But, um, yeah, that was funky. Like you said, that was kind of like um, if, you're in a, if you're in a club or a bar, it would be playing in the, in the room just off from the main room, kind of where people are hanging out, maybe catching the, catching the vibe. It's not too hectic that you have to immediately run to the dance floor, but very kind of like, like a, you know, a vibe type thing. Um, I like That's it. That's funny you saying that because I was going to say, did, did he th- think, it felt a little bit like the singer was a little far away from the mic. Yeah. Like he was singing the song next door. <laughs> so I get what you mean. But it was called Love is Alive by Gary Wright. I'd never heard that before. And I did think it was funky. Sexy funky. And I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a map, Dom. Are you ready? Okay. And, and again, it's from Brahms as not funky to Prince at the top of the funk scale. Yeah. I'm going to give it a parliament. Funky and sexy funky and I want to dance to it. There you go. I like that you picked Parliament, because Parliament were able to kind of create a mood, weren't they? Create a vibe, kind mm. of like you've, mm. you've suddenly found yourself mm. in Parliament world. And that's what it felt like with this guy, Alex, was he's like, yeah. all right, yeah, sit down. I'll take it from here. I'm the Funkmeister General. I'm going to give it a late, no, Mid-1970s share level of funk. <gasps> oh. Not just 60s. A, a, when she was herself. Yeah, not, not like the height of Cher's funkiness with Sonny, no, where, no. where she's going off her head on funk. I mean, she's just coming down the side of having established herself as a funky gibbon, and now she's kind of, you know, relaxing into it. But she hasn't found the auto-tune yet. No. She's not there yet. No, and she's not... I love it, Tom. She's not on a massive naval carrier that takes aeroplanes and possibly submarines and people across large breadths of oceans wearing a negligee and singing to, like, two or 3,000 uh, armed forces people. Well, how, did, how did that happen? Do you know what I mean? I'm interested... Because the captain of that ship would never wear suspenders like that. No, no. way. Now, could get caught in a rudder or anything. You should also never besmirch the uh, American Navy by wearing a hat so akimbo. I don't know if you remember, but her, her yeah. captain's hat was not here, 
It was kind of here. No. You know, it was a bit saucy. It was a jaunty angle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Dom. Well, that was a fantastic you- show, Dom. That was lovely. Meeting Kayla, finding all about that. It mustard. Oh, another, another success on Billy and Dom Eat the World. Uh, we haven't had a bad one since the smoked oysters. Maybe we need... We, people, send in your ideas from around the world of food, and it doesn't have to be good. If it's something that you remember from your childhood that you thought, oh, I'd never want to eat that again, me and Dom will have a go at it. Send it in. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We'd be very thankful. Also, you had said at some point, Bills, we're going to make that licorice, watery, sugary solution. Maybe we can have that on Billy and Dom Eat the World at some point. Absolutely. We'll have sugar-oily water. It'll take me two weeks to make, as I remember it, uh, but we'll have that on very soon. Thanks, guys, for helping us get to 100,000 on YouTube. Keep subscribing. We're going to get to a million by next week. And also, like Billy said... Wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Spotify or anywhere that you get hold of your podcast, if you could rate, review and subscribe to us, it helps Billy and I make more episodes and makes us feel all warm and fluffy inside. And you can also send voicemails to us at speakpipe forward slash The Friendship Onion. Dom, go and get on a plane and I'll see you next week in the studio. Sounds good. Lots of love, mate. And lots of love to all of you. Bye-bye. See ya. While every other pizza company out there is trying new things on top of their pizza, Papa John's just flipped pizza night on its head by doing something completely new on the bottom. Introducing the new crispy parm pizza with a layer of buttery toasted Parmesan cheese baked on the underside of our signature thin crust. That's because we know the first thing your tongue touches when you take a bite is the bottom. So try the new crispy parm pizza from Papa John's. It's living awesome. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.